So 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us the exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let's pray before we study this together. Lord God, as we come to your word now, we pray that you might work within each one of our hearts and minds. We pray that you might guard us from the warnings here and that we might grow in the encouragements given. We pray that you would work in us all this morning and that we pray that we would be humble before your word. Let's pray. Amen. So this morning, I have called the sermon Myopic Malaise which could have been the effect of preparing for Presbytery getting into my head. But no, I've called this myopic malaise. I almost called it spiritual short-sightedness, but I deliberately called it myopic malaise for a reason. Now, I was asked a few times this week, are those real words? Yes, they are. I'm not making things up. Now, of course, in the children's talk, we saw that the myopic side of things is short-sightedness in that, in that spiritual regard. But malaise is a, is a word we don't use all that often, but it's a, a general feeling of discontent or unwell, but we sometimes can't quite put our finger on it. And I thought, rather than spiritual short-sightedness, both myopia and malaise sort of capture the fullness of what this passage is about a little bit more. And, of course, it allows me to practice my alliteration. Now, given the, in a sense, the really encouraging start we had to this sermon series last week of looking at these Christian qualities that we had to add to our faith and supplement our faith with that our faith might grow and be stronger. We almost come from a high into what might seem like an interesting topic for us to be hitting up this morning in this second sermon in this series. Last week we saw some truly incredible and blessed qualities that we are meant to strive to have in our lives. And as we said last week, the things in verses 5 to 7 aren't a pick and choose thing. Each one of them is meant to be present in the life of the Christian. 
And we know that the Spirit will grow us in these things. Pursuing them is not a futile thing. To remind us of what those things are, though, in verses 5 to 7, those qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. All wonderful things that we are told to add to our faith. And as we saw last week, for being honest with ourselves, we, we won't have these things perfectly. But if we're Christians, we have them in some measure. As we seek to walk with the Lord every day, we grow these things and add them more and more and have them better and better present in our lives. Verses 1 to 7 are really encouraging. And remember, what this is, is written to Christians. In verse 1, Peter is writing to Christians, people who, who, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. He's talking to Christians here. And we'll talk about why it's specifically for Christians to have these things. But for the Christian, the first seven verses are really, really encouraging. Verse 8 continues that encouragement as well. And then verse 9, it's almost like, hey, we've got to chuck a spanner in the works here. Make us think a little bit harder here. It perhaps reads as not quite encouraging. It's a little bit of contrast on the picture that Peter is painting here. And the reason it's here, I think, is that Peter really wants us to be thinking hard. To be answering the question, are we adding those seven beautiful qualities to our faith or not? Are we being honest with ourselves and when appropriate, which it often is, with other people around us, how we are going in relation to adding these things to our faith? Now, the Christian does not live an isolated life. The Christian lives in unity and fellowship with others who God has called out of darkness. There will be a time and many times where we talk about these things with one another. But can I encourage you as you consider how you might talk about these things with one another, that we don't just look for red flags and areas we can point out, but also look for those areas where we can encourage people in the work that God is doing. We should call out sin where we see sin, but we should also encourage where we see reason to encourage people for the work that God is doing in lives. Now again, what we see here is for Christians. Now if you're not a Christian here today, and you hear me say this is for Christians, I hope that doesn't result in you switching off and stopping paying attention. The things we are looking at in 2 Peter, these are the things of life. These are the things of a good life. These are the things of a, a quality life. These are things that a life of substance have. If you're not a Christian, don't switch off. If you are a Christian, definitely don't switch off. It's really important for us. And the reason it's really for Christians is we see in the introduction that Peter writes to those who have obtained like us, or as I read before, uh, like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ. 
And if we're looking what we see today, really following on from the, what we focused on last week in verses 5 to 7, we have a question which is, how can you add to your faith if you don't have faith? You, you can't. It doesn't make sense. Now for those who love the Lord their God, for those who have been called out of darkness, for those who have been saved by his grace, when we read what we read in 2 Peter here, these are not just nice things. We hear about nice things, don't we? And nice things sometimes take on a sort of fluffy, ambiguous meaning. What's it actually mean? It's a lovely sentiment. This is not sentiment. It is beautiful. But it is deep. It is important. It is essential for us to be paying attention to. These are not just random thoughts that Peter had in a brainstorming session where he decided to share that brainstorming session with people. What's written here has been written here by the Holy Spirit moving in Peter to write in this hugely convicting and convincing way. He is talking to the faithful. He is talking to those who are faithful when he wrote this and he is talking to faithful believers today. So when he says in verse 8, for if, now it's interesting we've got the hypothetical there, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now again, what are those things? Those things he's talking about there are the seven qualities we are meant to add to our faith. And if, if we have these things and abound, so remember it's about growth. All of 2 Peter is about growth, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Peter doesn't just want us to have these things. Peter wants us to abound in these things, to grow more and more that that abundance might be greater in these things. If we have these things and abound, then we're not going to be fruit, unfruitful or barren. I remember talking to a youth group about this once. I think they just learnt the word arborist. And someone said, well, I'm not an arborist and I'm not a tree, so why does that matter? I love youth ministry sometimes. But, you know, maybe we have similar thoughts. If we're not trees, if we're not, our job isn't to look after trees, what does it matter? Well, it, it, it matters because this is in alignment with the whole thrust of growth in our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Now, what I'm about to say is incredibly generic, but I'm going to say it anyway. When something grows well, there are good byproducts of that growth. Now, that's very generic. If a business grows well, there are jobs, there are job securities, and there is a need being met. If a school is growing well, it won't just be numerical advancement, but academic excellence being attained as well. If something grows well, there would be good byproducts of that. And Peter's saying if Christians are growing well, then there will be a byproduct of that too. It will be fruitful service to the Lord. 
We see a lot of things to do in 2 Peter 1. Those seven things to add to our faith, we struggle with each and every one of them at times, but they are wonderful things to work in and pray that God might grow us in those things. And maybe we look at it and go, there's a lot to do there. We need more motivation. I said last week, some of the motivation for adding to our faith is that we are Christ's. Right now, we are his. We have been saved for an eternity with him. And there is nothing that can separate us from him. Paul writes to the Romans that neither height nor depth nor angel nor demon nor power nor principality, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Some of the motivation to keep going is that we are God's right now. But then we get more motivation to add those qualities to our faith than what we read this morning, particularly in verses 8 through to 11. Some of that motivation is if we haven't abandoned those qualities, then we are fruitful. Ask yourself the question, do you want to get to the end of your life and look back asking, did I accomplish anything? What was the point of all of that? Now, even Christians do ask that. But as Christians, what Peter tells us is we have a definite yes to answer that question with. Yes, I accomplished something. By God's grace, I was fruitful. By God's grace, I was useful in his service. By God's grace, I will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. We may not see the effect of our witness. We might not, might not ever know if somebody is, comes to faith by the Spirit using our witness to them. We might not know how much encouragement we give to those Christians around us. We might not know the fullness of these things. But as Christians who are bound in these qualities, we are fruitful and not barren. And there are evident marks of Christ's work in the life of the believer. We do hear those words which were pointed out to us at Bible study on Wednesday night. You will know them by their fruits. What are those fruits? Fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's one of them. The Beatitudes. These things here. Things I said last week which Joel Beek refers to as evidences of grace. These are evidences of God's work in your life and in the lives of other Christians. Now Peter's particularly, he's not focusing on the Beatitudes or the fruit of the Spirit. He's particularly again focusing on the verses 5 to 7 stuff. Have them in abundance, will bear fruit. One thing I said last week, knowledge is really important. It's not that 1673 stuff with New York I was talking about. It's not the hundred pleats on a chef's hat. It's not any of those weird things I could talk about. It's knowledge in the Lord, knowledge of the Lord. The abundance, the fruitfulness, the usefulness in service to God comes back to knowledge of the Lord. That's what Peter tells us here. It comes back to us growing in maturity. And it comes back to us living informed lives based on God's word. This is where the knowledge that Peter keeps talking about is from. 
And not only is this obviously a, a good thing that it brings forth fruit, and it shows, demonstrates, evidences the clear life-changing work that God has done in us to encourage the church and to witness to unbelievers, but it goes further than that. It actually gets us to not just look outside of ourselves, but to challenge ourselves. We don't want to become so short-sighted that we only focus on ourselves, but Peter does want us to be honest with ourselves. Back in verse 3, we see reference there, the divine power of God being spoken about there. And uh, the commentary by uh, the three men, Jamison, Fawcett and Brown, they say that anyone who has received grace by the divine power should be examining themselves regularly. And part of that is carried in what Peter says here, for if these things... We need to be honest. We need to be searching our hearts before God and praying that God might reveal more of our hearts because sometimes we aren't quite honest on our own efforts, are we? Peter says, For if these things, diligent, faithful service to God requires diligent, honest searching of our hearts before God, not just assuming we are all good. The moment we stop in our diligence both to add to our faith and to examine where we are in our walk with the Lord, to put it bluntly, we begin to lose the plot. We begin to fall into those things that Peter talks about in verse 9. We begin to fall into spiritual short-sightedness even to the point of blindness. What Peter's saying here is actually quite serious for us to take note of. Because the more short-sighted we are, the more we assume we're okay, the more we head down the path of those men in, in Psalm chapter 36 that we read before who turn from the things of God, the less we focus on God and the more we focus on ourselves. That's the short-sightedness that Peter is talking about. And it results in that, that malaise, that, that general feeling of just things not quite being right. Any more than just a little bit uncomfortable. those qualities to list them again. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. If we don't have these, there is every chance that we are becoming so short-sighted that we can't even see ourselves properly. We become so short-sighted that we think we're okay and we miss glaring issues that are taking place in our hearts. Whether that be lust, whether that be greed, whatever form that takes, whether that be just falling into anger and going, oh, it's just 
circumstances, tiredness, but we're okay. And we're neglecting these qualities. We're neglecting God and his word to us. We are falling into short-sightedness. Verses 8 and 9, Peter basically shows us two ways in which we live our lives. One is abound and thrive in our faith as God works in us and continues to move us towards eternity. Or two is to become so short-sighted, blind even to spiritual matters, that we forget Ignore, completely disregard the cleansing from sin we have received. Now, if that second one is not a poor state spiritually, I don't know what is. How easy is it to fall into those patterns? Over the last... Four weeks, we've sadly received a a series of bad news denominationally. We received for three weeks in a row news of another teaching elder leaving. Then on top of that, we heard that a congregation was closing. The weight of those matters can cause us to pull back from the full goodness of God because we're so caught up in those messy things taking place, those things that we would rather not see taking place. I've struggled with this, and and that's before just dealing with the own personal rubbish I deal with on a daily basis. And we all go through personal things on a daily basis that can cause us to to ignore the blessings of God. We we all struggle at times, and I think all of us could say with honesty at some points in time, it's not easy being me. We know that it's easy to fall into short-sightedness. But you know what we should also be aware of? Evidences of grace. We can get so caught up in bad news and things not quite going the way we like with our own struggles that we ignore the wonderful things that God is doing around us. God blesses us with things to remind us of him in everything that's going on. I mean, for starters, he's given us the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. We should not neglect the work of the Holy Spirit. We should pray that the Holy Spirit might work in us more and more. But even just other things, things like the the prayer meeting devotion Dave led a few weeks ago, reminding us of God's sovereignty. When we begin to feel down, what a wonderful thing to remind ourselves of, that God is in control of all things. This week I received two phone calls from elders in the, the Westminster Presbyterian Church. Faithful men in faithful churches wanting to know how I was going, having heard that we were struggling with the loss of teaching elders. And wanting to pass on to you a congregation that these men had never met, that they were praying for you. Those are evidences of brotherly kindness, brotherly affection, genuine love between believers. These things can help us take our eyes off our our desire to withdraw into ourselves and keep our eyes fixed on the promises of God. Sometimes seeing these evidences of grace in other people's lives can help us remind us of the one who saves us. It can help turn our hearts and minds back to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, who knowledge of allows us to grow 
We see the fruit of working hard and we see the lostness of being, I don't know if undiligence is a word, but I'm going to use it anyway. We see the fruit of working hard and we also see in this passage the lostness of being undiligent in our faith. And we so often become undiligent when we make it all about me. And the more we focus on me, the less we focus on God, the less we focus on that wonderful gift of faith that he has granted us with. As I said last week, faith matters a lot. In 1 Peter, again I said this last week, faith is effectively described by Peter as a vehicle that God places us into and uses us to drive us into his eternal glory and presence. We should never slack off in our efforts to add to and strengthen and supplement our faith with those things that are are good, those things that God says are pleasing, those things that God says are honourable. See, if we continue in diligence, and in verse 10, if we become even more diligent, verse 10, 11, even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Have you ever watched those grand royal entrances that take place? You've got that poor guy with the trumpet whose job it is to blow it and yell out someone's name every time someone new walks into the room. I'd love to be on the receiving end of that. What a grand entrance. This isn't an entrance into a party that just lasts one night. This is an entrance into the eternal kingdom of God, our diligence in faith. God will use to get us there. How beautiful is that promise? Maybe we look at these things at the start of 1 Peter and say, that's a lot of hard work. Is it worth it? We get to verses 10 and 11. It is worth it. Hard work, enabled by the Spirit, results in an incredible reward. I should never question if we really are gods because we see these beautiful things. Now, if you indulge me to go back to verses 8 and 9, I spent most of our time there. And working through those contrasts again, an abundance of evidences of grace bearing an abundance abundance of fruit as opposed to blindness and short-sightedness. There is something that I need to be even clearer on than I have been. If you already understand this, please forgive me. I think it's important, so I'm going to say it. Peter wants us to understand it's not just a a risk to be short-sighted. Peter actually wants us to understand that there are fatal consequences to being spiritually short-sighted. I don't think that overstates it. I really think Peter is showing us there are fatal consequences, as affirmed by Psalm 36. The fatal risk, if we are not diligent in adding those qualities to our faith, and the fact that in not doing that, we become short-sighted, even to the point of blindness. In the Greek, and I cringe saying in the Greek in front of a 
very studied man in Greek, my Uncle Lindsay. In, in the Greek, what, what, what's going on there is an almost deliberate act of closing your eyes. If we are not diligent in adding to our faith, Peter's saying it's almost like we're being active in instead closing our eyes to the things of God. Closing our eyes to the glimpses we see in Scripture of His glorious and majestic presence. Closing our eyes to the joy that it is to bear an abundance of fruit in service to Him. Closing our eyes to the promises of His Word. Closing our eyes and missing the sight of our church family growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and being so focused on our troubles. Closing our eyes and not seeing the one who saved us from sin. Closing our eyes to the beauty of the entrance we have promised to the eternal kingdom of God. There is a fatality in this blindness and short-sightedness. This should stir us on to be diligent. This should motivate us to daily be diligent in service to God Almighty. Spiritually, keep your eyes open. Keep in step with the Spirit as we read in Galatians chapter 5. God works in us to an amazing end. He has saved us. And evidences of our salvation, as hard as it might be, are to respond with thankful gratitude to what the Lord puts in front of us to do. To respond with thankful gratitude to his law, to his word. It can be hard. In fact, it is hard. If we look at those qualities once more, again, we, we won't have them perfectly this side of heaven. But where we fall short, go back to verse 3. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Where we fall short, Christ did not. And he has called us. And he has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And he, we can trust his promise to supply abundantly for us. As his children, we know, we know that we will see the everlasting kingdom. We know that things can rock us and shake us. Peter spends most of chapter 2, all of chapter 2, talking about false teachings that can veer us off course. Perhaps our own sense of guilt 
Uh, not living up to God's standard well enough weighs incredibly strongly on us. But God who is eternal, God who is omnipotent, God who is all-knowing, God who was and is and is to come, supplies in all things. He has proven his faithfulness. He is, as is written elsewhere in Scripture, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Grow in your knowledge, love, and understanding of all things, or of him in all things, as we seek to abound in virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And look forward with a beautiful sense of rejoicing, that grand entrance waiting for us into the eternal kingdom. Do not be spiritually short-sighted. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray as we consider these words that have been put before us by Peter that you would truly work within our hearts and minds that we might keep in step with the Spirit that we might know even more certainly than we already do just how sure our call and election to be your children is. We were called before time began. We have been saved by the irrevocable work of Christ. And may that comfort us to keep our eyes on you, to keep pressing on in the faith and to grow in the knowledge of Christ each and every day. We ask this in his name. Amen.